Hello everyone, welcome to episode 3 of Play by Ear. My name is Arian, and today I'm joined with Namisa. Hi everyone. And Ayat. Hi. And today we'll be talking about um, genetics, uh, gene-edited babies, CRISPR, and uh, one article that we've all read about a genetic scandal that happened in the last few years, in which a scientist named He Jiankui and his research led to his doom. <laughs> uh, so I think before we go, get, go into the conversation, we should uh, talk about what CRISPR is and what the genetic stuff. Um, we're going to be saying what they what it means. So, um, Aya, do you want to start talking about that? Okay. Um, so essentially, human gene editing, or you know, as you said, designer babies, is a technique that allows scientists to you know change an organism's DNA. And in this scenario, he used the CRISPR-Cas9 methodology. Um, and so CRISPR basically is um, a repeating DNA structure in the bacteria, in a bacteria, and the bacteria use this to defend, defend themselves against viruses. And um, so, when, so when a virus invades the bacteria, the bacteria can cut up the virus's DNA and store sections of that DNA in the bacteria's DNA, and they can use um, this with the Cas9 Cas9 enzyme. So Cas9 is an enzyme. They can use this to um, protect themselves against it and and form uh, thing like more enzymes that destroy this part of the DNA. Mm -hmm. um, so if the virus were to were to invade the bacteria again, they'd have some sort of resistance against it. Mm -hmm. um, and scientists have figured out a way to almost insert our own DNA. So they've designed their own sections of DNA and RNA, and they're able to insert this into um, into the polypeptide chain and alter the genome of the organism that you know they're targeting. Mm -hmm. And so this basically you know changes the cell line of an organism completely. Um, and so, in this particular case, he um, cut out the section of a gene called, so the gene is called a CCR5 gene, and he cut out a section in um, 31 embryos. The section was the, what was it called? Uh, it was the Delta 32, and this part of the gene um, corresponded to um, immunity or, or protection. It gave the owner protection to certain strains of HIV. And so he cut this out and replaced it with um, uh, you know, one that he designed that's similar to Delta 32, but you know, not identical. And he did this to 31 embryos, and only 19 were deemed um, normal, and he implanted two, and that's where the twins Lulu and Nana came from. Yeah. I think that's a good summary, yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of ethical issues that we can cover when it comes to this topic in itself. But I think the first thing before we go into the bioethics of what was wrong with his Im implantation methods and whatnot is the actual scientific principle of his research and what he did and what m outraged the whole genetics um, community in terms of his research. So here's a question for all of you. Do you think his CRISPR-edited 
babies were scientifically appropriate. Scientifically, I would say that the first thing he should have sort of addressed is whether there was an actual need for this to take place. Is that what you're asking in terms of its... Yeah, um, I mean, we know what science is. Science is essentially the idea of using evidence and applying the evidence we get from clinical trials and um, studies into uh, our everyday knowledge and thought to develop new technologies. So what I'm asking is, was his scientific oh, yeah. abilities, what he did in terms of research, was that right from what we know what research should be done like? Okay, yeah. So in terms of the publication and his research that was carried out, it its validity is definitely questioned because, um, as we read um, in this article, it was not peer-reviewed and it was not approved by the ethics board. And these are two things that you definitely need in order to carry out that research. So the whole method by which he um, carried out his project is... Um, is unethical in some sense as he did not seek approval from other member boards and he did not have that sort of justification so the means of him even carrying it out is unjustified and there was no um, there was no other project that we'd ever seen like this before so he wasn't really leading off of someone else's project it was not backed up by any previous evidence so I think that that the, reason, the reasons I've just stated would definitely lead to many problems in his method of carrying it out, and we've definitely seen that in the results, I would say. Mm. So um, it wasn't exactly appropriate for those, for those reasons. Mm. Yeah, I think also, um, you know, from a scientific point of view, he claimed to have completely induced the m mutation in one of the twins, mm. and for them to be able to properly test this out, they would have to kind of destroy the blastocyte which is um uh what the embryo is five to nine days after fertilization and you'd have to you know inject something and test all of the cells in the blastocyte to see if they all had the 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 mutation but obviously he didn't do this because you know one was this 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 embryo was implanted into into the mother mm -hmm. and so it's like you don't know if it would actually qualify and if the mutation actually does exist in all of their cells mm -hmm. and um i watched this video and i think um Arian's gonna link it and it explains more about this but essentially this could mean that both twins have something called mosaicism which mm -hmm. means that the mutation is only induced in a few of their cells and you don't know what like no one really knows no one's really done the research into what effects this could have on 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 the on the children in the future mm -hmm. um so you know it could potentially have really dangerous results and you just don't know because it's unstudied yeah mm -hmm. yeah that, that's an interesting concept i think i heard that somewhere which uh, another uh, geneticist was pointing out that his research in itself was incorrect and like what he was doing with his his own genetically modified replacement for the delta um gene in itself was non-functional so there was no point of him actually doing so and, and we'll touch on that later but I wanted to talk mm. about quickly the methods he used for getting his research out there which I think is quite unscrupulous for a actual scientific 
um, person in the field. What he did was he went behind the whole university's back to use their CRISPRs, so, uh, their, their CRISPR devices, and and also his um, actual way of obtaining uh, blood samples and whatnot was completely unethical. So I think we can go into the bioethics of it now. Uh, so now, mm -hmm. do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so something that I read, which I found extremely shocking, was that um, basically in order to carry out this um, CRISPR um, technique, you cannot be HIV positive. And the main issue here was that the parents concerned, one of them was HIV positive. And to sort of bypass that, he s switched the blood samples and used another blood sample in order for the... Um, this technique to be allowed to happen and obviously that's not appropriate and that that's one of the bioethics that we've studied is that you know it's, it's completely uh, sort of destroyed the accuracy of this treatment in the first place if you're not even using the correct blood samples from the um, patients that are of concern and so if that leads itself to all sorts of sort of confidentiality issues as well and I think that was one of the main things I was really shocked to hear about in terms of how he carried out this um, process. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, I was wondering if you guys had any other points about bioethics that you studied. Yeah, uh, something I wanted to touch on a second ago was the idea of whether, yeah, we, we, we mentioned it, whether his actual research was needed. So um, mm. he was trying to make HIV resistant babies, which made no sense because the the Cas9 gene, or something like that, was um, has been researched on before, and there are drugs in place which block that specific CCR5, sorry, uh, CCR5 gene, which makes me wonder why exactly were the scientific community outraged by the fact that he tried to introduce resistance to a disease in the first place? So why is resistance to disease a bad thing do you think i think touching on what you just said earlier hmm. the fact that um because it the, the parents were doing it that were trying to conceive a child from ivf anyway hmm. um they could have done other forms of screening genetic screening that we've already um established in a quite a popular thing to do to see if the offspring would have hiv or hmm. not so yeah um there actually was no medical need for his hmm. um, for his treatment in the first place because you could have seen if the embryos um, were HIV positive or not, and it it kind of you know it makes you think if if um, people who are HIV positive you can't you can't do the genetic um, uh, the genetic editing on them hmm. why is that? Why? Why? And he did it anyway. Why can't you do it on them? And what knock-on effect um, would that have on the tools or the equipment that they use for the you know next set of research? And mm. uh, yeah, all in all, it's just a really unethical scenario. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I think in medicine in general, something that they always try and um, evaluate is like clinical need, and. When you, when you are deciding to treat someone, you sort of go through the process of how can we start from the most like minimally invasive and most you know uh, valid or accurate form of treatment. And instead of going through that route, 
he immediately jumped to an untested extreme form of treatment and that was something that didn't exactly seem necessary like you guys said it's not meeting the clinical need but an interesting conversation that um, we had earlier was he's he's not a doctor he's a scientist he's a researcher so does he have that same responsibility to go about a method of treatment as doctors do and go through that whole process of ethical guidelines and um, approaching it in the same sense as a doctor would does he have that same responsibility um, if he's not a, a doctor technically so what do you guys think about that yeah uh, I, I think what what distinguishes medicine and scientific research in itself is that uh, medicine only has like direct uh, interaction with patients with ailing needs but otherwise I think these two fields are practically inseparable they must have some form of evidence-based um, approach systematic reviews and looking through data and scientific principles in a quite a critical manner and before they are implemented into the general public so I, I think because of this actual issue itself it had an interaction with patients who specifically wanted to their kids to definitely be HIV negative and they had those concerns in um, for for what they were d um, going in for I think they definitely had the ethical responsibility to make sure whatever they were doing was just and uh, reviewed by everyone in, in the community by itself. I think I read an interesting viewpoint which said um, the quote was you can't get validation from your closest friends you have to get validation from every single person in the community before you do something like that which I think mm. was definitely a good summary for w what was bad about <laughs> what the research article did uh, mm. in the end um yeah i think that i think that's something we can lead on to when it comes to actual genetic sequencing and what patients really want so here's a question for you guys would you get yourselves genomically sequenced at a hospital to check if you had predisposition uh, pre uh, any predisposition to any disease in the future Mm. Okay, well, I personally would because, um, you know, it can help you, you know, dis decide if you want to have kids and how that's going to affect your life in the future and just your your life in general and your um, career prospects. But I know a few people, so I think my teacher's friend, he, um, sorry, she, <laughs> she doesn't want to get tested to see if she has these genetic disorders because they've been... Um, they occur in you know her family for generations and she doesn't want to get tested because she doesn't want this to um kind of stop her so mm. you can you can see how some people might think that's kind of a you know a selfish point of view um because you could be potentially harming your future children um and they could have really harmful um genetic disorders because of this but yeah i think it's quite a, a difficult thing to navigate and it's quite person to person but personally i would um yeah i would test for it um i guess mm. i guess for me i definitely wouldn't <laughs> i would look at this contrasting about this issue but um mm. i wouldn't because i don't want to live my life in the idea that oh at 70 i will get alzheimer's or i will 
have these things that I cannot control. Yeah, to some extent we can control them through our diet and what we're doing, but I don't want to live my life in some kind of fear that I'm going to die because of this disease in the future. That is because of my genetics. And I don't mm. want to prevent myself from doing things that I might enjoy in the future because of that idea that I might, you know, I might something might bad something bad might happen to me in the future because I personally have that philosophy that my life should be the way I want to live it not restricted mm -hmm. by what people tell me that yeah, obviously it's advisory mm. so I don't know what do you guys think about that I mean I could definitely see the advantage of it in terms of you wouldn't want to pass on a sort of disadvantaged gene to your future children and I think that would be the one thing that would incline me to get my genome screened but on the other hand like you said I wouldn't want that feeling of it, it is selfish in some sense but also it, it's for your own personal like a peace of mind is that you don't want the guilt or the uh, constant like worrying and, and being cautious of your life because you know that something's coming and it's sort of that thing about you would never want to look into the future mm. to see what would happen because it would change the way you are now and yeah that that's something it is it is a personal thing at the same time it could be seen as selfish and I'd say the only reason I would would be for like future children but apart from that for myself I would I would rather not just for my own sort of peace of mind mm. um yeah, I think I it's a touchy subject. Yeah, I don't really see it like how you guys see it. I see it more that if you knew that potentially you could have a, a certain disease in the future, that would kind of motivate you to do what you want now. And, and, and um, yeah, it's motivation to like kind of live in the moment more because but I do see where you're coming from. But, yeah, interesting yeah. i think that's a philosophy that people should sort of live by anyway like it is difficult but just try and do what makes you happy in the moment and sort of be present as a person that's sort of whether or whether or not you have a condition that is going to be debilitating in the future you should technically have that mentality throughout your life that's the best way i think but yeah definitely knowing what happens in the future would sort of it would shift that it would it would either make you think oh i have yeah. to live every moment now or you'd constantly just be worrying but so yeah you'd get like, like a shift depends. in a mindset yeah like you yeah. said either way mm. it would shift it mm. really interesting anyway mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay let, let, let's touch on that a little bit um when we come in come for genetic screenings through the nhs that's something that we've been able to do because of the human genome project however I was thinking about this. What if someone wanted to get a genetic screen, but obviously wouldn't be referred by a geneticist at, in the hospital? So I was thinking, like we have for organs nowadays, uh, there is definitely mm -hmm. a black market organ, uh, black market for organs, in which people can go to the black market and uh, retrieve organs if the waiting lists are too long, which is completely illegal. But still, people manage to get away with it, which makes me think can there be a place in the black market for genetic engineering and unsupervised CRISPR to lead to like people having their own uh, babies with their will uh, with their needs and whatever they wanted to fulfill through CRISPR done illegally in some area like do you think what, what do you think could happen with this I I think so 
like we've already seen, there are forms of like ethical misconduct in genetic engineering, and you know this this can happen. And that's something that we're already very aware of. And I believe that if the NHS were to adopt this form of treatment uh, more frequently, and you know make it sort of a built like a core part of um, genetics and genetic screening, then I'm sure that they would come up with ethical guidelines alongside that because the medical field is constantly evaluating um, with new forms of treatment, how we can apply our current ethical guidelines and then also come up with new ones to sort of constantly adapt. But if you think about it in terms where it's not supervised, it's not being peer reviewed, it's not being, you know, um, it's not being approved by anyone, then it leads to all sorts of things going wrong in terms of, um, like, you, it will just lose control. And I think that's where it leads on to the whole aspect of designer babies, is that where is the medical need for you to be changing genetics in terms of eye color, in terms of hair color, just to make them your preference that that's if it's unsupervised that's where we would lose control and you know designer babies would become a possibility um yeah that's what i kind of have to say about that um what do you think of the black market in <laughs> genetic engineering oh i feel like there's compared to say organ donation i think there's slightly less of a demand because um it's less life or death and i think I don't know if this is true, but I know in other countries, um, it's it's more widely available. So I'm I think in the Gulf, it's more widely available to um, to you know have designer babies, and so yeah, I think there'd be less of a demand for you to go through the black market to do this. But eventually, when people, hmm, I don't know if I should say this, but when people like um, get more I don't know, bored maybe, they might want to do it. That makes sense. Mm. Like when society itself gets a bit bored of um, natural ways to do things. Yeah, exactly. As it becomes more of a common and frequent thing to happen, people become more aware of it and people will then start to request for it. And now if the NHS, you know, fully following their guidelines were to deny people from having um, this form of therapy simply because it's not necessary, then that would lead to sort of the attitude of, you know, re- rebelling against what the doctors are saying and still finding your own means. And if that is available, that would be the reason for people to go and and have it done, you know, unsupervised or in the black market, as we're sort of phrasing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, like Ayat said, if it would become, if people were become becoming bored of it and it's be, just become the normal, it would make more people aware of it more people would go for it and then that's when we'd see you know people getting denied and then trying to figure out another way to have it Mm. and that's why you know it's just people's attitudes towards it but that's that that would be the reason that it would occur Mm -hmm. i think we've touched on an important point here like with people's attitudes and when it comes to uh, designer babies in itself because it makes me think about how what the ideal person would be in some prospect what would people actually suggest like we're talking about hair color and eye color but why can't why do we, why does it stop there why can't we go for babies who have mm. more inclined personality um, traits that allow them to 
pro have sufficient problem solving or s s high leadership skills some things that we think that are uh, developed through our environment could be changed by genetics in its own way so th that's when we go into things like darwin's theory of evolution when it comes to the passing <laughs> of <laughs> advantageous genes and um kind of survival of the fittest so obviously we're evolving um, we will be evolving in the future does this mean whatever genetic engineering CRISPR is giving to us is that speeding up the evolution or is that slowing it down hmm. I think it's like um... a, a different thing completely it's because you're introducing um uh genetically engineered um genes that that from what that from what the researchers find are supposed to give an advantage but you don't know how or if even that's going to affect um other parts of the of the person's lifestyle or just um their body and how it works in general and so i think mm, it's difficult but if it you could say it it kind of is slowing down natural selection because more people are being able to um, resist certain diseases exactly, yeah. but then you could kind of say it's speeding it up because it's like the uh, the it doesn't have to go through what would naturally happen and you're just speeding up um, the adaptation of an organism mm -hmm. so yeah because it's 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 designed by humans you don't know how um, foolproof it is compared to the natural way um, that you know that it works. Yeah, I think it's pretty much. Um, I don't know about evolution. Like like I had said, it could go either way, but we are definitely going sort of against natural selection because this is being like our genetics are at some point. Well, if if this progresses further, it, it's going to be artificially selected, and we're therefore getting rid of. The whole process of the people that have the disadvantageous gene uh sort of it, it will slowly die out and then the advantageous gene is passed on that's how natural selection works but if we're now giving everyone the advantageous gene it will lead to overpopulation it will lead to of course it will have longevity of life but then what other conditions could occur if people are living for longer and that's what we're already seeing because you know with preventative treatments and everything we're seeing people living for longer but we are yet to know the negative effects of that and there could be so many and one of the p particular things I would say is sort of allocating of resources in the world um, as we have more and more people in the world it, is that something we can cope with? Yeah, I think the world's already under a lot of strain and to, to increase this isn't, it's not, it's not something that should be our aim and what should humans be living any longer than they already are um yeah because of overpopulation because of the you know increased life expectancy we're already seeing negative effects and so do we actually want to make life the life expectancy even longer um mm -hmm. yeah yeah because i think i was discussing with arian earlier in some ways this would reduce the pressure on the nhs if we are if we somehow find a way to uh you know get rid of certain diseases that um, especially at older ages, put a lot of pressure on the NHS. But at the same time, how do we know that this is not going to create new, you know, areas of 
health conditions or new yeah. mutations that occur. And, and again, going back to um, the, the whole CRISPR scandal that we're talking about right now, um, we are not going to be able to sort of evaluate the progression of this disease in, um, in, the, in these children. Now, could this mutation then further mutate again once it's passed on to once the twins have children? Could this then happen again and again? We don't know the effects of that. And that's something we're going to have to be very careful with. And again, it will, you know, go against natural selection. Wait, why, yeah. why can't we know the effects of it? What, what's preventing us from talking to them and wondering? Well, as we've read this case, so in order to protect the sort of dignity of these two twins, their identity has not been revealed. We don't know who these parents are. Although it's been a massive public um, you know, conversation, the actual people involved are now sort of, their identity is hidden. At the same time, um, I think the scientist, he has been jailed and he's also been, you know, sort of banned from conducting clinical trials and scientific trials. So he will no longer be able to progress with this research. So it's kind of, it's hit a stop point. And like Ayat said, it will lead to copycats and maybe we can sort of have further evaluation of those um, cases. But as far as this one goes, it's kind of led to a dead end. And that's why it is a matter of concern for those particular twins. Um, yeah. Yeah, and because especially people have seen the publicity that comes with um, this scandal, and and you know, yeah, so it really does open the door to copycats because you haven't seen the negative effects because their identity is hidden, um, and so they're not because I think China's um, said that they we're not able to um, follow them up on it, and so you really don't know what's happening with the twins, and so. You know, kind of. Why wouldn't someone want to do it again? If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think that's a really good place to leave it. <laughs> we've gone through the whole article. We talked about everything around it, and now we've talked about what's happened after the article. I think this is a good place to leave it. So, what? What do you have? Anything else you want to add, guys, to the conversation? Do you think? No. Okay. Um, I would just say that, oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I would just say that we have also seen alternatives, like I definitely read that, you know, the whole aim of this treatment was to block the CCR5 uh, gene, and that has been tested and done with several other drugs, so I think what we've sort of learned from this is that, yes, we do obviously promote research, but it has to be done through a very tedious but completely worth worthwhile process so um that's something that we've learned from this scandal i guess is that you can't really bypass or leapfrog in in uh scientific research and it may take years and and months but that's what's important to avoid cases like this happening again Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think that's a good place to leave it yeah research is very important for how we shape the future of the world and mm-hmm. i think cases like this show us how how much we scrutinize the scientific community because we know the effects of what their research is going to be on the the whole population itself the frozen? i think arian is cut out for a second wait i'm okay 
<laughs> and then, um, yeah. I don't know if he knows. I, I think that's them. Anyway. Anyway, we'll wait for him to come back. But I, I guess the point he's trying to make is that search is obviously going to be so. Oh yeah, he's back. He's back. There we go. Yeah. You can carry on with your point now. I was fine you, the whole time. You cut out it, for a long time. It, it's off my uh, PC, so everything I heard, everyone else heard, so it's fine. <laughs> Um, okay, fine. Yeah, um, so <laughs> I think we can end this episode here. So um, mm -hmm. thank you for listening to episode three of Play It By Ear and uh, hope to see you again soon. We'll be releasing the episode four very soon and please be tuned in for that. Anything else you guys want to say before we end? I guess just remind people if they've watched our first two episodes to rate the podcast on Spotify because you can do that now <laughs> links will be I figured out. <laughs> <laughs> links will be on the website uh, as usual and uh, down below and make sure to subscribe to us on youtube if you're watching on youtube and leave, leave a comment if you have any conflicting opinions or something that you want us to address in our next podcast we can definitely do so that's why we do these things to interact with you guys so thank you again and hope to see you soon Goodbye. <laughs>